And you're on right now with Jim Dawes. Your daily journal of news, politics, and culture from an American nationalist perspective. Coming to you on the Mojo 50 radio network and streaming on demand on iHeartRadio, TuneIn, iTunes, Spreaker, and Spotify. Follow me right now, Jim Dawes, on Twitter. Or shoot me an email at rightnowjimdawes at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. You can leave a voicemail at 772-245-0750. That's 772-245-0750. Out in the warehouse, the trucks kept banging into the ducks, not even thinking about stopping. Oh, our frail bodies were strapped to the chairs, and our chairs were chained to the desks, and our pleas for justice were ignored, and the unseen But we busted our slave driver's little bitty balls. We charged down into the brick fortress and onto the streets because it's Friday! 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 <laughs> that was uh, the old 96 Rock 5 o'clock Friday whistle. Um, from back in the late seventies, I was thinking about that today and thought you might get a kick out of it. Um, I wish I knew the name of the guy that put that together, but, uh, that is lost in the sands of time. If you've got, uh, something similar to that, send it to me and I'll, uh, I'll play it on a Friday. If your local uh, rock station, uh, had a five o'clock whistle. So, it is Friday, and uh, last night, Trump uh, traveled to New Hampshire and had one of his signature rallies in, uh, in the auditorium up there in Manchester. It, uh, it was a 12,000-seat auditorium. It was mostly full. There were a couple of hundred empty seats that uh, the left-wing media got a real kick out of highlighting the fact that, uh, that you know, the, the place wasn't full. They didn't bother looking out in the parking lot and seeing that there was five or six or 7,000 people out there watching on TV screens. And that the reason that the auditorium wasn't absolutely packed was that the, uh, the fire marshals um, uh, started denying them entry. I don't know what that was about. Um, Joe Biden's campaign had a, uh, um, a protest across the street. And uh, took a lot of abuse. Uh, maybe they had something to do with, um, you know, the mayor of Manchester. I don't know. But um, Trump was uh, was in top form again. Uh, although I must say that he needs to update his material a little bit. Uh, this stuff is getting a little stale. Um, I think he dialed it back a little bit after the, uh, you know, send her back chance. Uh, and went back to the golden oldies, but uh, he needs to get a writer in there and update that material. Uh, maybe he's just waiting to see who the Democrats will ultimately nominate 
so that he can, uh, you know, update his material and uh, really start teeing off on them. But, uh, of course, you know, the, the Democrat media is doing its best to gin up a recession. They're doing their rain dance on all of the left-wing shows, uh, trying to convince everybody that, uh, you know, we're going into recession. And Trump, if, <laughs> if nothing, you know, you know exactly what he's thinking. And he's thinking, well, you know, I don't want a recession. But even if uh, if there is recession, you know what are they going to do? They're going to um, <laughs> they're going to say, "Well, we need to get rid of this businessman and go all in on socialism because there's a recession." That's not how it works. But uh, here's what Trump had to say about that. You, if for some reason I wouldn't have won the election, these markets would have crashed. The bottom line is. I know you like me, and this room is a love fest, I know that. But you have no choice but to vote for me, because your 401ks, down the tubes, everything's going to be down the tubes. So whether you love me or hate me, you got to vote for me. You have the best unemployment. You have the most successful state in the history of your state and in the history of our country. And then you're going to vote for somebody else? Oh, great. Let's vote for Elizabeth Pocahontas Warren. I don't think it's going to happen. I made that point yesterday. You know, even if the if the market goes down, it may even help Trump because people realize, you know, he had three good years before the Democrats with their constant uh, negativity on the campaign trail managed to crash this economy. And uh, and the last thing we need is Bernie Sanders or Elizabeth Warren or God forbid, uh Pete Buttigieg in there who have no idea how business works. Warren is an academic. Um, Sanders is a communist, a lifelong communist. Didn't have a paying job until he was 40 years old. And of course, Pete Buttigieg. uh, Well, he's a failed mayor of a small Midwestern town. There was a... (laughs) A funny episode last night uh, over behind the stage. You had a, a disruption, you know, some protesters trying to make a scene. And Trump looked up there and uh, saw a guy being led out of the uh, the arena and had this to say. That guy's got a serious weight problem. Go home, start exercising. Get him out of here, please. Got a bigger problem than I do. Got a bigger problem than all of us. Now he goes home and his mom says, what the hell have you just done? Not sure Trump ought to be calling out people for their weight. Uh, the big guy is carrying a few extra pounds himself. Actually, doctors say that, uh, you know, when you get to be that age, you ought to be carrying a few extra pounds for optimal health. But it certainly doesn't seem to be slowing him down any. The odd thing about this little episode is, is uh, Fox News actually caught up with this guy. And it turns out that he wasn't protesting Trump. He was trying to uh, pull signs down from protesters that were there to protest Trump. And the Fox News reporter asked him how he felt about being, uh, you know, made an object of fun by the president. 
Turns out he was talking to you. He was because he didn't see me rip the signs away from those three people that were sitting near us. And they were trying to cause a ruckus. And they jumped up and they started yelling something. I, I don't even care what they were yelling, but it wasn't going to happen beside me because I'm trying to listen to my president. But I think he thought I was part of it, but I wasn't. I was. <laughs> I think he thought. I think he thought I was part of it. Even care what they were yelling, but it wasn't going to happen beside me because I'm trying to listen to my president. But I think he thought I was part of it, but I wasn't. I was the good part of it. What did he say to you? He said, "Hey, that guy needs to lose a little weight." <laughs> Everything's good. I love the guy. He's the best thing that ever happened in this country. You know, that's that's typical of Americans. You know, people, conservatives, people of the right, Republicans, they're not walking around on pins and needles looking for a reason to be offended or having their feelings hurt. He's well aware he's a few extra pounds. It's not telling him anything. He's not going to cry about it. He's not into the body shaming. His feelings weren't hurt. He was there to support his president. His president threw a jab at him. You know, he told him the wrong guy and, uh, and, and rocked on. And that is pretty typical of white guys in general and, uh, and Republicans in, in particular. Uh, just not that sensitive. If you're sensitive and you, you know, uh, need safe spaces and melt at the first bit of criticism, your home's over there in the Democrat Party because that's what they really cultivate. If this guy was from the left, he would be, uh, you know, on on TV uh, talking about being body shamed, blah, blah, blah. But like I said, the, uh, the Democrats are desperately trying to do a rain dance and gin up a, a, a recession. I'm going to play a clip for you uh, that I played um, actually yesterday. If I can find it, I might not be able to find it. But anyway, uh, you know, they, they, they tried uh, the Russia collusion hoax that uh, that fell apart. <laughs> Mueller didn't deliver for him. Then they tried racism. They're still trying racism. Uh, it's not going to work either. But uh, they all just, uh, you know, start off every sentence all the Democrat presidential candidates, you know, acknowledging uh, that they believe that President Trump's a racist. I don't think it's going to work for them because now they've spread it out to also include all the Trump supporters are racist as well. But it hasn't worked. And so now they're doing this recession rain dance. No Russia, no racism. Let's try recession. And uh, for the first time in a long time, old Geraldo Rivera over there at Fox News had something to say that I agreed with. Even right Listen, now. What I have noticed is the disconcerting number of anti or non-Fox commentators seeming to cheer on the possibility of an economic recession because an economic recession would rebound badly for President Trump. So they're rooting for a recession so Trump gets dimmed in his prospects. And I find that uh, unpatriotic to say the least. Yeah, it's unpatriotic to say the least. It's um, it's wishing ill on your fellow Americans, uh, but that's not really out of character for a lot of these, um, you know, media and uh, personalities and Hollywood stars that live in this bubble. They're perfectly glad to suffer a recession because they they'll be insulated from the consequences of it, and they can uh, at long last, you know, achieve their dream of ridding themselves of this onerous Donald Trump. There was a, um, a Rick Stiegel. I think he was a, he was a officer in the Obama administration. He was on MSNBC and they were trying desperately to get him to say, Oh yeah, we're going to go into recession. 
but they just couldn't get them to say it. Signs of recession are not exactly overwhelming. There was the inverted yield curve that everybody was talking about yesterday, which is that the short-term bond had a larger payoff than a 10-year bond. Uh, Germany is down. China is down. Those things are not good. But the U.S. economy is relatively buoyant. So um, I just don't think we should be rooting for a recession because that's not good for America. And I also don't think it's really in the cards. I'm not an economist, but there aren't that many signs out there that a recession is on the horizon. So this guy is from the Trump administration or the uh, Obama administration, and even he acknowledges what's going on is they're rooting for a recession. They're doing the recession rain dance. I stole that from Angry Rich. Um, but yeah, they know that if enough people in you know powerful positions uh, put enough doubt into the market, that it will have the desired effect. I don't think it's going to work, and even if it does, I think it's going to backfire on them. I think uh, this this uh, Trump re-election is sort of um, written into, uh, baked into the cake at this point. Their next big effort is going to be to try to uh, tie him to Jeffrey Epstein. I don't know if people are going to be buying that after everything that's happened. Stick with us. We'll, uh, we're going to run out to a break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about the latest developments in Philadelphia. Mojo. Millions of people today have no dental insurance. If you're without insurance, do you have a plan to care for your teeth without spending a fortune? Introducing DentalPlans.com. How would you like to save 10 to 60% off your next dental visit for as little as $7 a month? We offer trusted dental savings plans from companies like Cigna and Aetna with a 30-day money-back guarantee. Be a part of the 1 million-plus happy smiles served since 1999 that save money when they visit the dentist. You can save on cleanings, dentures, braces, x-rays, fillings, crowns, root canals, and even teeth whitening. Call 800-296-1247 now to start saving immediately. Mention promo code RADIO to receive 15% off any plan. And for a limited time, one month free. Call 800-296-1247. That's 800-296-1247. Fees building only plus a $20 processing fee. Savings plans are not insurance. Savings will vary by provider. Plans are Consult with plan detail page for additional plan terms. Not all plans and offers available in all markets. So in the aftermath of yesterday's uh, or day before yesterday's shootings in Philadelphia, where six police officers were shot and the uh, the perpetrator uh, was allowed to um, lead the scene in something other than a hearse, which I just think is a damn shame. But, of course, uh, the left-wing mayor of Philadelphia, who turned that place into a sanctuary city, among other things, and has, uh, has really wrecked uh, the policing uh, regime in Philadelphia, he stepped to the mic and in his zeal and his his um hurry to try to excuse himself and the other elected officials in philadelphia for any um blame in this disaster he of course uh you know said what we need is more gun control ignoring entirely the fact that um you know this felon maurice hill longtime career criminal 
broke any number of laws by having weapons. And uh, one of my favorite people on this earth, Dana Lausch, Dana Lash, um, she took him on, on on Twitter this morning. Um, started off, she's pointing out that Maurice Hill, 36 years old, was a felon and had been his whole life. He was a prohibited possessor, as she says. And it's not the fault of those, uh, it's the fault of those who keep letting him out onto the streets to call, cause chaos and not law-abiding citizens. Kenny said yesterday, All our officers need help. They need help with gun control. They need help with keeping weapons out of these people's hands. Lash responded, the purpose of felon, a prohibited possessor, who kept being let out of the street to cause chaos. It's not the fault of law-abiding people, but heaven forbid you examine the light sentencing and recidivism driving the violent crime rate nationwide. Firearms offenders generally recidivate at a higher rate more quickly and uh, following the release into the community and continue to recidivate later in life than other firearms, non-firearms offenders, she said. So Dana just blasted him in a long series of tweets, pointed out for anybody that uh, has an open mind, what a, a dishonest and um, uh, blame-avoiding tactic coming out and calling for gun control after a, a, a violent felon commits a weapons uh, violation or an attempted murder in this case. One of the interesting developments going on, interesting I say maddening developments, is they're actually going to have a rally today, this evening, in support of the shooter. <laughs> That's right. The Defend African Resistance, a black liberation group, is uh, is going to have a rally tonight, Friday night, in support, not of the police officers, but of the cop shooter that got away with it. I say got away with it, uh, left the scene on his own two feet. There was a flyer being passed around town that said, police are an occupying military force in the black community and should be met with resistance. And the uh, this group is calling for the release of the of the shooter. Sorry about that. So it's going to be very interesting to see how that all plays out, and uh, and whether or not um, there is any violence at this evening's uh, scheduled um, protest. This is this is the legacy of the Black Lives Matter movement. They've created such uh, disrespect by ginning up this false narrative. The police are targeting, you know, people based on their skin color. That now uh, you've got this whole political movement that has grown up around it that is emboldening people to actually step out in support of a, uh, a cop shooter. Elizabeth Warren is is not helping it. Uh, you know, last week on the fifth anniversary of um, the justifiable shooting of Michael Brown, who tried to take a police officer's weapon in Ferguson, Missouri. Darren Wilson, 
she tweeted out that uh, it was the fifth anniversary of of uh, Michael Brown being murdered. She said murdered. Kamala Harris used the term murdered. Despite the fact that the Department of Justice and local uh, courts had found that uh, Darren Wilson's actions were entirely justifiable. Hell, they were more than justifiable. They were really the only actions that he could could have taken. And what's going on right now is the even more um, underhanded. Trying to, I'm struggling to find the right word. Uh, deceptive. George Soros has uh, put together a plan where he is funding uh, district attorney candidates across this nation and installing or facilitating the election of far-left district attorneys that are um, refusing to enforce the laws. Philadelphia's got one. What's his name? His, the district attorney in Philadelphia's name, William McSwain. I'm sorry. William McSwain is the U.S. attorney in Philadelphia, and he slammed the city's district attorney named Larry Krasner, telling him to stop making excuses for criminals and give strong consideration to attempted murder charges for the suspect in, uh, in the police shootings. Although the incident remains under investigation, McSwain, U.S. Attorney for the Eastern District of Pennsylvania, said at a news conference that this that his office was going to be providing some adult supervision to Krasner's office to determine what charges the suspect should face. McSwain blamed Krasner for fostering what he called an environment of disrespect for law enforcement then emboldened the gunman to open fire at officers um, in the uh, Nicetown neighborhood there. Where does this disrespect come from, McSwain said? It started with the chance at the DA's victory party, chance of F the police, and no good cop in a racist system. That was at the DA's victory party. These are the, the, the quality of district attorneys that George Soros is funding their campaign. Of course, he funded um, the uh, Fox, the district attorney in Chicago as well, that uh, dropped all the charges against Juicy Smollett. There's also a, 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 a DA. It's in Houston who has determined that they're no longer going to uh, enforce uh, laws against theft. That is less than $750. They're not going to file charges. So they've basically just told all the merchants in Houston, you're on your own. If somebody comes in your store, or your shop, and steals something that's less than $750, and that would be a whole cart full of groceries, that we're not going to prosecute him. And, of course, the result that that's going to have is people are going to take law into their own hand. But uh, back in Philadelphia, McSwain called out Kressner's rhetoric. He said, the worst kinds of slander against law enforcement, this DA routinely calls police 
and prosecutors corrupt and racist. He even compares them to war criminals and Nazis. We have plenty plenty of criminal laws in this city, but what we don't have is a robust enforcement by District Attorney Krasner, McSwain said. This guy is a rising star in the Department of Justice, McSwain. We're going to run out to a break. You're going to hear two messages, and then we're going to be right back to talk about the latest developments in the Jeffrey Epstein murder. I mean, excuse me, alleged suicide. Right after these messages on Right Now with Jim Dawes on the Mojo 5 Radio Network. As you make plans this season, consider convenient COVID-19 testing from Quest. Get the same test hospitals use without a doctor visit. Simply order online, select from drive through or at-home options, and get the results sent securely to your phone or computer. It's a great fit for your busy life. With over 20 million COVID-19 tests processed, you can count on Quest. So order your test today at questcovid19.com. That's questcovid19.com. This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwanns.com backslash yum for details. And you're back on Right Now with Jim Dawes. Your daily journal of news, politics, and culture. From an American first perspective. So on yesterday's show, I, uh, I was pointing out that the autopsy on Jeffrey Epstein revealed that he had this bo- broken bone in his neck, the hyoid bone, not sure I'm pronouncing that right, H-Y-O-I-D, hyoid bone, and uh, the reporting at the time st- stated that uh, during uh, episodes of hanging by suicide, that hyoid bone in older men broke about 20% of the time and that it was far more common for this bone to be broken in uh, a homicide by strangulation. Well, it appears now that at least according to a, uh, a doctor that appeared on Kennedy's show on Fox News, on Fox Business Network, that that, uh, that number is highly inflated. Dr. Cyril Wecht's He's a doctor and a lawyer, and he told Kennedy that a Montreal study found that only two of 239 hanging deaths resulted in a broken hyoid bone, or less than 1%. This uh, would tend to indicate that it is far less likely that, um, that Jeffrey Epstein committed suicide, and it's far, far more likely that he was, in fact, murdered. 
earlier in the day, uh, Dr. Mark Siegel was on the Fox Business Network, and uh, he said that uh, the hyoid bone might break by strangulation about one-third to one-half of the time. So you're talking about the difference between 33 and 55%, or according to Dr. Recht, 1%. Now, there are some indications that uh, that bone is more likely to break in older men. Jeffrey Epstein was 66 years old. But again, we've got way, way, way more questions than we have answers at this point. And I think if you had to bet on whether or not uh, he committed him, uh, suicide himself or he was helped to do so, as is believed by his uh, his bodyguard, uh, you would have to bet on the latter. It's also come out that um, Jeffrey Epstein, much as he did when he played the judicial system down there in West Palm Beach was busy playing the system at the Metropolitan Correction Center as well. He was not spending much time during the day in his own cell. He was spending as much as eight hours a day in uh, something called an uh, an interview room where these um, prisoners are allowed to meet with their lawyers and so he, what he would do is he would just pay his, uh, his legal staff to always have somebody in there uh, so he could uh, be outside of his cell. And one of the other lawyers that was visiting the Metropolitan Correction Center noted that uh, one of these so-called lawyers that he was uh, spending time with was a young, very attractive woman that had no uh, briefcase or any other files or books with her and was not dressed in a professional manner at all. He speculates that maybe she was a legal aide to the law firm or something. And in other developments, it turns out that his, uh, his paramour, his, uh, his pimp, Epstein's girlfriend, Giselda, it's an odd first name, I can't pronounce it, uh, Maxwell, was spotted in Universal City out near the movie studios in Los Angeles, dining at an outside table at a <clears throat> In-N-Out burger. Yes, an In-N-Out burger. So you got to ask yourself, why in the world would this woman who has been hiding out for three years now allow herself to be seen out on the street in an area of town where people are taking notice of celebrities and, and such, eating outside at an In-N-Out burger, reading a book, by the way, on the CIA, oddly enough? I don't think... She was spotted by accident. I don't think she was sneaking out to the In-N-Out Burger in Universal City and just got caught. But why would she be hanging out in public like that after three years of keeping such a low profile? Obviously, she wanted to be seen. And why would she want to be seen? I think she's sending a message to Hollywood. 
And that message would be, if I go down for this, I'm bringing this right to your doorstep. And oh, by the way, I'm reading a book on the deep state right here as well. Sending another little subliminal message. There's going to be a, a lot of young girls that uh, get fabulously wealthy suing uh, suing his estate. But the Department of Justice is going to want somebody's head on a pike. And right now, uh, Giseld Maxwell, who was the recruiter for Jeffrey Epstein's pedophile pimp to the billionaire stars operation, and now she shows up outside in the Hollywood section of Los Angeles. I say Hollywood, the movie-making section, Hollywood industry section of Los Angeles. Sending a message to, to the rich and the famous out there, I believe. So we've got this other big story going on where uh, Ilhan Omar and Rashid Tlaib have been denied uh, a, a visa by which to visit Israel. It's sort of an odd situation. There was a congressional delegation that went there a few weeks back. Omar and Tlaib did not take the opportunity to go to Israel at the time. Everybody was wondering if they were going to join the congressional delegation. Instead, Omar and Tlaib uh, were going to take a separate trip by themselves, and this trip was going to be funded and organized by uh, a pro-BDS movement group. Now, if you're not familiar with what BDS is, Boycott, Divest, and Sanction. It is a group that uh, means to bring Israel to its knees economically, They've got quite a bit of traction over in Europe, Germany included. They've got less traction in the United States, but uh, you know they've got uh, some strongholds on the university campuses where all of these things begin and end up spreading into, into politics. But both uh, Omar and Tlaib are strong supporters of the BDS movement. And just last month, they introduced a resolution in Congress that was aimed at uh, at protecting, um, you know, this this movement. So the president, uh, he tweeted out that uh, Israel would be crazy to allow Omar and Tlaib with their extremist anti-Israel uh, beliefs to visit. Uh, Israel, and um, when he was headed out to the uh, the rally in New Hampshire last night, he was uh, giving a, a brief statement to reporters, and this is what he had to say about it. I'm only involved from the standpoint of uh, they are very anti-Jewish and they're very anti-Israel. I think it's disgraceful the things they've said. You have lists of uh, this isn't just. A one-line mistake. What they've said about Israel and Jewish people is a horrible thing. So the things that they've said, uh, Omar, Talib, what they've said is uh, disgraceful. So I can't imagine why Israel would let them in. But if they want to let them in, they can. But I can't imagine why they would do it. I think it would be a... 
terrible thing, frankly, for Israel to let these two people who speak so badly about Israel come in. And they have become, amazingly, the face of the Democrats. The Democrats don't want to do anything to condemn them. Well, you know, they have made uh, statements, uh, they, and they haven't been oblique statements at all. They've been, you know, blatant uh, statements. On one of them, uh, Congress was actually going to censure um, Ilhan Omar, and uh, Nancy Pelosi was going to try to get back on the right side of the, uh, the issue when the, the radical left wing of her party let it be known in no uncertain terms that you will not say ill things about our Ilhan. Uh, she is a, a woman of color, and you are not allowed to criticize women of color. And by the time this movement to try to censor her was over, it was basically just a statement, a resolution by the uh, House <laughs> condemning white supremacy. So, you know, it's not so much what they've been saying, although that's bad enough. It's what they're doing. The, the BDS movement, if it uh, gets traction here in the United States, and it very well could, it could uh, really do great harm uh, to the nation of Israel. It's the same movement that uh, was ultimately successful in bringing down the apartheid regime in South Africa. It's, it's modeled on that, that model. But the Democrats, including uh, one of the uh, most stupid of the uh, Democrat elected officials, sprang to their defense. And old Sheila Jackson Lee herself had this to say. Uh, tragically, uh, it goes again to the attitude of this administration about Muslims mm. uh, and the fake news about people's beliefs, of which they know none of. Mm. And so I believe Israel should reconsider and allow these two sitting members of Congress to do their oversight well, duties. But he said they hate all Jews. And I asked the question, what proof does he have? I have no proof of that. And I've not seen any evidence of hatred from those two members. Well, they don't hate all Jews. They only hate the Jews that uh, believe that Israel should be a Jewish state and that uh, they should defend themselves from Palestinian terrorism. They like those Jews that are on the left, like Bernie Sanders and others who um, who take the side of this pro-Palestinian movement and, uh, and give comfort and aid to these um, Israel haters that uh, want to you know push this BDS movement. Bernie Sanders was, in fact, a t- uh, appearing on MSNBC on Ali Velcher's show, and, uh, and this is what he had to say about it. Well, I wish I could tell you, Ali, that I am shocked... Uh, I am not. We have a president who tragically uh, is a racist, uh, is a xenophobe, and who is a religious bigot. But the idea that a member of the United States Congress cannot visit a nation, which, by the way, we support to the tune of billions and billions of dollars, is clearly an outrage. And if Israel doesn't want members of the United States Congress to visit their country to get a first-hand look, at what's going on, and I've been there many, many times. But if he doesn't want members to visit, maybe he can respectfully decline the billions of dollars 
uh, that we we give to Israel. Over time, uh, in excess of $140 billion, last year alone, $3 billion in various types of aid. You've actually suggested that that might be used to leverage uh, some of Israel's behavior that, that uh, Representatives Omar and Tlaib are critical of, as you've been critical of. Well, all that I am saying is that we need a Middle East policy which is even-handed. Even-handed. How do you have an even-handed policy when people are continuing to uh, insist that your nation has no right to exist, that, um, you know, and, and paying terrorists who commit murder against your people? And now you have these two... Uh, pro-Palestinian congresswomen that are trying to organize a uh, campaign that will ultimately cripple and destroy the Jewish state. I don't think that that's the kind of person you want to let into your country. Right after she was denied entry, Tlaib uh, began a little public relations campaign saying that she wanted to visit her, her gammy in the West Bank. And that her, her gammy was 90 years old, and if she didn't see her gammy pretty soon, she may never see her again. Actually, it was her sits, S-I-T-E, as Rashid's word for uh, gammy. And uh, she, in fact, made a uh, formal request on humanitarian grounds in order to go see her sit, which was promptly approved by the foreign minister of Israel, the interior minister, I'm sorry. And uh, the only condition was she couldn't be over there lobbying on behalf of the BDS movement uh, while she was visiting her her grandmother, her 90-year-old grandmother. Well, that was just unacceptable. So it wasn't really that important to go see her gammy after all. Rashid Tlaib decided she wasn't going to go under those circumstances. She put out a Statement saying, silencing me and treating me like a criminal is not what she wants for me. I, th- I assume she's talking about her, her grandmother. It would kill a piece of me. I've decided that visiting my grandmother under these oppressive conditions stands against everything I believe in, fighting against racism, oppression, and injustice. So she can't even take a day off from her social justice that agitating in order to visit her 90-year-old grandmother, uh, it makes you believe maybe it wasn't that important to her to begin with. So, of course, you know, people are now pointing out that the same um, people that are uh, raising hell about Omar and Tlaib not being allowed to visit Israel, they were all fine and dandy when Congress... The Democrats in Congress, including the Muslim Keith Ellis, lobbied to block um, Gert Wilders from Holland, a Dutch uh, lawmaker who has been, you know, um, anti-terrorist in uh, in Holland there. And they also are are, are ignoring the fact that in 2014, the Obama administration itself blocked a member of the Israeli Knesset from visiting the U.S. because they disagreed with their politics. And notice, by the way, 
how Ocasio-Cortez has nothing at all to say about the 16 Muslim countries, I'm sorry, not Ocasio-Cortez, Omar, or Tlaib, have nothing to say about the 16 Muslim countries, all of which ban Israelis from entering. That list includes Syria, Iran, Iraq, Yemen, Libya, Algeria, Bangladesh, Brunei, Kuwait, Lebanon, Malaysia, Oman, Pakistan, Sudan, Saudi Arabia, and the United Arab Emirates. Again, the double standard that is the uh, the real hallmark of the Democrats these days. Do as we say, not as we do. i got to run out to a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about Trump's uh, interest in acquiring the world's largest island of Greenland right after these messages. Mojo. Attention, those of you looking to go on a fun vacation and see the world on the cheap. Today, the U.S. dollar is worth even more in other countries. So there's never been a better time to travel outside the USA. The dollar is worth over $1.30 in Canadian dollars. And it's the same for Australia. You can fly there today and have fun and maximize your travel dollar. Your U.S. dollar is worth over $3 in Brazilian reals, and it's worth over $18 in Mexican pesos. Plus, in Argentina, it's worth over $27 in Argentine pesos. Just think of the bargains you'll get. And the way you get the cheapest airfare to any destination is by calling Tickets That Cheap. Save up to 75% on your foreign vacation tickets. Don't wait. Call now. 800-932-1596. 800-932-1596. 800-932-1596. That's 800-932-1596. So you have no doubt heard by now a story that was first reported in the the Wall Street Journal that President Trump has uh, inquired with his aides about the possibility of purchasing Greenland. It is owned uh, by the Danes. It's owned by Denmark. And the president asked, uh, asked his aides to look into the feasibility of acquiring it from them, maybe buying it from Denmark. And this is being used as some sort of example of how foolish Donald Trump is. They're making great fun of it over there at uh, CNN and MSNBC and on the pages of the New York Times and the Washington Post. And uh, and I looked into it. Greenland is a very valuable, strategically located island. It is the world's largest island, if you don't consider uh, Australian island, of course, Australian is a continent, but it is surrounded on all sides by water. So it, some people think it's an island continent. But other than that, uh, Greenland is the world's largest island. And what a lot of people don't realize, it is in North America. It's not closer to Europe. It's uh, it's north of um, the east coast of Canada. 
And uh, what one of the things that makes it so very strategic is it's about halfway between the eastern seaboard of the United States and Moscow. So uh, it doesn't seem so crazy to me at all. And as a matter of fact, Trump wasn't the first to come up with the idea. Uh, in 1917, an effort was made. I guess that would have been, would that have been the Wilson administration to acquire Greenland? And after World War II, when the United States military used Greenland as a, an air base and a weather station, a lot of people uh, point out that the D-Day invasion was made possible by the weather station that uh, the United States had on Greenland. But uh, after World War II, Harry Truman himself made an offer of $100 million to the Danish to, uh, to buy the island. I think he probably uh, bid too low and may have been able to get it if he had gotten his number up. There was, um, what was it we bought from the Danish? Oh, yeah, the U.S. Virgin Islands were bought uh, from Denmark. I think if memory serves, they, they got the U.S. Virgin Islands, which used to be named uh, the Danish West Indies for $25 million. But, you know, this is kind of reminiscent of the whole uh, Seward's Folly thing. They they made fun of uh, the Secretary of State. What was his uh, first name? Uh, he served uh, under Andrew Johnson. But he's the one that uh, that acquired Alaska from the old Russian Empire, the Bolsheviks. That was in 1867, right after the Civil War. And that turned out, everybody said it was foolish. Why is, uh, why is Johnson and Seward so determined to get this frozen piece of ground? Shortly after, there was a gold rush in Alaska, and of course it's been a um, an oil-rich uh, acquisition, and there's a lot of indications that uh, Greenland may may be the same. And if, if in fact the planet is warming, and at, at some point in its history Greenland was not a frozen wasteland, otherwise they wouldn't have called it Greenland when the Vikings first named it. Uh, it it could be a, a source of um, of great national resources as well. There's only 60,000 residents living on Greenland. And uh, it's sort of a, there's a self-governing protectorate of Denmark. If Denmark doesn't want to sell it to the United States, maybe we could go directly to the residents and offer them, hell, a million dollars a piece. What the... 60,000 residents, a million dollars a piece. Is that $60 billion? It'd be well worth that uh, to acquire acquire Greenland. They're making a lot of fun over, uh, over there at MSNBC about it. <laughs> 
I can't believe we're even talking about this. I mean, first of all, you know, I mean, I feel like, I, you know, we like we, we have to buy Greenland to prevent the communist subversion of a, the Arctic RC. I mean, it's not going to help. It's not going to happen. I mean, the European Union and the and the Danes are not going to sell Greenland to the United States. This is one of these crazy ideas. The problem is, and there is a more serious point here, that when the president says something, it's policy. It's not, you know, the president's idle stray neurons firing. Um, when he says them publicly or he says them to his aides, it becomes a thing. And it's not just a straight thought. It becomes actually a... And so we end up here talking about it. And the Danes are, I'm sure, sitting in Europe saying, I don't know where this came from, but now that the President of the United States has said it, now we have to think about it. Um, it's, it's just crazy. It gets everybody running in circles because, again, the President of the United States doesn't just have stray thoughts. He has thoughts that if he utters them, they become policy. Well, I think it's a great policy. Yeah, it's it's sort of novel. I can understand why people would be sort of taken aback at uh, by it. But uh, take a look at the globe. You know, we're we're sort of um, centered on looking at the globe uh, via the equator and uh, and going left to right from the equator. But if you go, you know, look at the uh, the Arctic region, Greenland is a very strategic uh, piece of property. And uh, and now that uh, you know we're we're going into a warming phase, and I believe it is perfectly natural that we're going into a warming phase. These things come in cycles. Um, the sea lanes up in the Arctic are opening up, and uh, and we're getting more access to the natural resources there. And Russia is uh, is rushing, you know, to uh, to maximize that. And it tells me that Trump is thinking strategically when he looks at the globe and sees what they're up to and sees that big old expanse of Greenland and says, what is tiny little Denmark doing with that? 90% of these 60,000 people live there are Inuits. In Alaska, we call them Eskimos. I believe they're the same same uh, tribes. But um, And there's like, you know, 100... Uh, Norwegians there and a hundred Icelanders and a hundred Filipinos and we could just uh, go directly to them and say hey want to be an American we can make it worth your while we'll build a pool in your backyard and uh, and a, a mini mansion for you to live on they said the same thing about Seward they called it Seward's folly and now they're calling uh, Greenland Trump's folly it'll probably never happen but it wouldn't be a bad thing if it did that takes us to the end of this edition of Right Now. I want to thank you for joining us and invite you back here again tomorrow on the Mojo 5.0 Radio Network. I'm looking forward to it, not tomorrow, Monday, and I will talk to you then. When the weather outside is frightful, the Hyundai Santa Fe is, hmm, what's the word, delightful. Because it's got available H-Track all-wheel drive to make being out together better. Enter for your chance to win the newly redesigned Santa Fe, packed with all the jingle bells and whistles you need to go dashing through the snow together. To enter, visit Amazon.com slash Hyundai or scan the QR code on specially marked red and green Amazon boxes. No purchase necessary. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. 
Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwanns.com backslash yum for details.